Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everybody. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Naveen Kathuria. Naveen is the Chief Executive Officer at eFamily Care. He's a health executive with 20 plus years of broad-based experience in strategy, compliance, operations, and business development with high growth organizations. Naveen worked as a corporate attorney for two top tier global law firms focusing on mergers and acquisitions within a variety of industries, including healthcare. He co-founded a preventative care and wellness company with a number of locations around the Chicagoland area. He also worked as management consultant, specializing in advising health systems and health plans on buy side and sell side transactions. Most recently, Naveen was an early stage sales and compliance executive at a technology enabled behavioral health Health startup focused on top line revenue while navigating a complex regulatory landscape and ultimately resulting in building the largest telepsychiatry organization in the country. Naveen received his bachelor's from University of Michigan and his Juris Doctor from Boston University of School of Law. And he is just doing extraordinary work in healthcare. And today I'm excited to host him here for all of you. So Naveen, thank you so much for joining us today. Paul, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you taking the time to learn about me and, and our organization here. Thank you. Yeah, Naveen, so great that you're here with us. You know, the things in healthcare are changing care to the home is becoming a reality. We're going to touch on what eFamily Care is doing to help do that more effectively. But before we do that, uh, I'd love to just spend a little time here getting to know you and what is it that exactly inspires you to work in healthcare? Sure. Yeah. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. You know, what, what inspires me to work in healthcare and particularly in the capacity that I do, which is in high growth startup organizations working to innovate and disrupt traditional mechanisms of addressing issues within healthcare. Well, first of all, there's a lot that needs to be done, right? There's a lot of complex issues within healthcare. There aren't easy solutions. It's a sophisticated regulatory landscape. The healthcare ecosystem is difficult to navigate. And as you noted, you know, in my background, you know, I've been a management consultant. I've been a corporate attorney. I've been involved in trying to solve complex problems. And what I really like about healthcare is there are these sophisticated and complex problems. And what I love about what we do here at eFamily Care and what I've done within the startup world for a while now is, is to try to tackle these problems, but then to work on the execution of the solutions we come up with, right? So like as a management consultant, as an attorney, a lot of times we're coming up with solutions. We'll you know address something, we'll execute on a merger. And then what was missing for me was always sort of how did this work out? right? Like we came up with a solution, we gave some advice on what to do, then how, what was the impact of that? And so what we're really focused on um, here at eFamilyCare is the impact of what we do, not just, you know, how can we solve a complex issue? How can we address something that's been sort of an issue within healthcare for a long time in terms of empowering and supporting family caregivers? But then how is that addressing the issue? You know, how can we measure outcomes? I think one of the things I love about your podcast is you're really focused on what are the solutions that are out there and how are those making an impact? Not just what are the problems? Yeah, you know, that's fantastic. And getting focused on those solutions is key. Your experience, you know, in both law and also the consultancy space on the provider and payer side is is something that that really, I think, provides a broad brushstroke of understanding to the approach that you guys are taking. So let's hone in on eFamily Care. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to and how you're adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Sure. Yeah. And maybe I'll just start with the with the problem that we see and that we're trying to address, which is yeah. really that there are 
we're, we're moving towards, we're shifting towards in-home care more and more. And that was happening prior to this pandemic, right? And we want to keep people out of higher acuity settings. We want to make people more comfortable. A lot of people are more comfortable addressing issues that they have within the home. Now you layer on a pandemic where there's more of a shift towards in-home services. There's distrust in facilities. I mean, I think there's a statistic out there that was about 5% of all COVID cases occurred in these like nursing homes and uh, other long-term care facilities. And that accounted for about 40% of the, the mortalities. And so there's a distrust in going into facilities. There's a further amplified focus on in-home care. And where does that burden fall in terms of the care of the individuals in the home? First of all, of course, it's the providers. But how do the providers access these members? And if you think about vulnerable populations, what we're focused on is vulnerable populations. So it's a lot of times disabled individuals, it's senior populations, the caregivers who are unpaid, who are certainly burdened with caring for their loved ones, particularly the family caregivers, they're the ones that bear the burden and don't necessarily have support out there. And so we are aiming to address that issue through a technology-enabled solution, so high-tech and high high support. So, you know, really what we're doing is we're providing a technology that's built to be really engaging that provides resources to these family caregivers. And then we have care advisors who are social workers or nurses with 10 plus years of geriatric experience typically. So a lot of times we're working with caregivers who are caring for mom or dad. And so, you know, these care advisors are the high touch portion of what we're doing. So we're, we're really a technology enabled service that aims to support and advise and coach and empower these family caregivers as they try to navigate a difficult or complex healthcare ecosystem in caring for their aging loved one. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it is a huge gap. Right. I mean, we have this huge gap where care is moving to the home. And, you know, frankly, it's been there. Right. It's not moving there. It's been there. And now we are more focused going beyond that. Hey, you know, episodic care. Come visit your your primary care provider and then go home and, and don't come back whether or not you have chronic you know conditions or not, which the majority of the elderly do. So this opportunity to monitor through this door, this additional source of data is a huge opportunity for us to make people more healthy. So it's exciting that you guys are focused here, first of all, Namin. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you believe makes you guys different and better than what's out there? Sure. Well, I think first and foremost, we're focused. Everything is built around supporting the family caregiver, the unpaid caregiver for all these vulnerable populations. There's not much that's out there that is. I mean, you know, as you had mentioned in sort of the introduction, I worked in an organization where we provided telebehavioral health to vulnerable populations, and that was really a rewarding experience. But what I found is that a lot of times when we're trying to target vulnerable populations and deliver telemedicine, and this was telepsychiatry and teletherapy, they're not necessarily in the best position. So if you think about an aging population to be able to leverage or utilize a technology solution. And so the first and, and biggest difference about what we do is we're, we're built around supporting a family caregiver. And there's a lot of research and statistics out there that show these family caregivers are in a better position to be able to utilize technology and also want to, right? So a lot of family caregivers who are caring, for example, their aging loved one, they're sandwich generation, so they're caring for their kids as well. They want to be able to leverage technology and maybe shoot out a message and get a response. So we have both video, so like synchronous interaction with our care advisors, but then also asynchronous, which would be um, messaging through our platform. So you could shoot out a message and get a response within two hours. And I think that's another really important part of what we do. 
So I think those two areas, one thing I would mention is sort of the work I did, again, at my prior organization was a lot in rural areas, right? And so if you think about populations that are in rural areas that don't necessarily have the capability or the bandwidth to be able to engage in a video visit, I think it's really impactful to be able to offer them the ability to, through their mobile phone, shoot a message to someone and get a response that's meaningful, that's contextual, because these people have that much experience of 10 plus years working as a clinician, as a nurse or social worker. And so getting that type of response can be really helpful for them when they're time constrained. So I think those those are the areas where we think we're really differentiating ourselves. Yeah, that's great. You know, having that reliable platform that you know you could go to help your family member is huge. And then from a payer perspective, knowing that you're providing, and even a provider perspective, right? Knowing you're providing the family members of the person you're caring for, the tools that they need to help them stay healthy. We're talking about you know, Medicare Advantage dollars here that are finite and we need to do the best with what we have, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really who we're partnering with is Medicare Advantage, Manage Medicaid, the long-term support and services. And then, as you mentioned, provider side as well. So health systems, hospitals, primary care groups. And really, we talk about ourselves as being able to be the eyes and ears in the home. If you think about a primary care clinician, as you had noted earlier, you know, they're a lot of times seeing a patient, telling them to do some things, and then sending them home. But a lot of times, the complaint is that the physicians have is that we don't actually know if they're compliant with what we're asking them to do in terms of a care plan. And so wouldn't it be great if you could actually interact with the caregiver who is primarily responsible for the care of that loved one and basically advise them and also ensure that they are adhering to that care plan. And so that's where really we believe the investment of the health plans and providers is better served where we're actually supporting that investment through the caregiver and our support of them. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And look, a lot of times these programs, solutions, we really look for evidence that we're improving outcomes, that we're optimizing, you know, times and dollars. Can you speak to how you guys are doing this? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that you touched on the main aspects of what we've seen. So reduction in costs, so reduction in unnecessary hospitalization, right? So if you think about a knee-jerk reaction, if you're managing a loved one, you don't have support, the first thing you're going to do if you're worried about them is probably take them into a hospital setting, right? An emergency department, and maybe perhaps they get admitted. And what we hear from health plans and health systems and hospitals and provider groups is a lot of times those are unnecessary hospitalizations that could have been managed if they had the ability to get in touch with that member. But again, going back to what I was talking about before, a lot of times that member, that patient, isn't in the best position to answer the phone if they're getting a call from a random number or to utilize a technology solution. So if you have the caregiver who's in a you know in a position to be able to actually interact through technology and also who we're building a relationship with, right? So I spoke about our care advisors. What we do and what we did at my prior organization as well, it's continuity of care. It's the same care advisor building a rapport and a relationship with these caregivers to establish trust, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. such a super important component. There's so much distrust in healthcare. There's a lot of surveys that are out there about that. And so you really want to build trust over time and then they'll confide in you. And then they know it's a face and name attached to it. So now when something comes up, they know who to go to and they trust the decision-making of the person they're going to and the support. 
So the reduction in cost is one area, and then it improves satisfaction and experience of the member. Many times the caregiver is responsible again for the care of that member. So if we can make them feel more supported, that's going to then directly affect the satisfaction of the end patient. And so those are the two components that most health systems and health plans are focused on is reduction in cost and improvement in experience or satisfaction. And those are the two areas we're most focused on. That's awesome. So what you're telling me, Naveen, is that there's a human being answering their call or asynchronously communicating through text and through the app. But there's somebody there that they know it, and this this is a consistent person. Yeah, exactly. And I mentioned this. I think that's I jumbled big. it at the beginning, but high tech, high touch, right? So it's, I mean, it's not huge. just a technology solution. And if you think about what the pandemic has done, I and mean, people want human interaction, right? Totally. And so I think that's an important point: is that we're not just a technology that's you know a chatbot or something that someone has to go and raise their hand and then go into the technology and search for something. We certainly have the capability within our platform to be able to do that through your phone or through your browser, but it's also that human element. I think that's something I've learned within healthcare is really important to drive engagement and interaction and then ultimately outcomes is that human services component of a solution. Man. That's awesome. You know, I'm glad we we honed in on that for a little bit because it's so valuable to have somebody that you could establish trust with instead of just the bot. You know, it's like bots are great. There's a place for them, but there's only so much trust you can establish with a brand or a company. You're not going to do it through a bot. You're just not. Yeah. And I think like you said, there's a, there's a place for those as well. I don't mean to mean the yeah. importance of having access to data and having bots that can help to triage someone appropriately totally. to sort of a human resource. But there's no replacement of that human interaction, particularly when you think about caregivers and the stress and the burden that they're under and potentially isolation. And they want to be able to confide in someone and talk to them. And giving them that ability can help, you know, improve outcomes over time. And so that's really what we lean heavily into is that human interaction and having someone on the other side of the line to be able to interact with. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you, Naveen. So as you reflect on the journey, what would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and a key learning that has made you guys all the better? Sure. And I'm probably going to be generic with my response because most people will probably say this as well, but the pandemic certainly impacted how we go about doing business, right? And if you think about what we're doing, and I just mentioned the human elements and components of being able to support these caregivers, you know, much of what I've done throughout my career is meeting with people and understanding where their pain points are to be able to adapt our solution towards what their pain points are. It's harder to do that via video. You know, a lot of what I did in the past was going and meeting with folks and understanding. I worked a lot in my prior organization with Native American tribes, for example, and I would travel to reservations across the country to understand the behavioral health issues that these tribal members would go through and built a program around that. It's the same way as we're interacting with organizations across the country, whether it be health plans, health systems, provider groups, meeting with them in person was typically how we did business. And now we don't have that ability. So it's, you know, getting to know people over video is something that we have to make sure to emphasize and really understanding more about them and what drives them to do what they do. And then sort of getting into our solution and how we can help them, you know, which traditionally would be easier in an in-person meeting. And I think the other part about it is just from a internal standpoint is managing team members and interacting with them and collaborating. Again, you know, when you're not in an office setting, that's how I was traditionally used to doing things. Now it's all virtual, right? With the folks all over. So and I think that's one of the sort of challenges we've had 
But I think it forced us to adapt and to figure out ways to better engage with people virtually and to make sure to set aside time to get to know them personally and not just touch on you know, the work components and, and what we can do, support them or partner with them. Yeah. You know, do you feel like the pandemic has normalized the virtual and thus helped in a way make your model even more scalable? Yeah, I think that's so, you know, I mentioned the challenge and how we've overcome it, but it has presented opportunities well. I think, as I mentioned, the pandemic has forced more people into the home, more people to think about how can I care for mom and dad, because I don't want them in a facility, given what's happened and the distrust that they have in typical long-term care facilities. And so it's created more opportunity. It's just about understanding where that opportunity is and then, uh, you know, making sure we're meeting that need. But certainly it's presented an opportunity. Yeah, no, that's great. So Naveen, you've definitely, you guys are hitting on a really great spot here. I think where we need more focus and we need those tools and platforms to take care of our, our loved ones. What would you say you're most excited about today? You know, I think I'm most excited about this being recognized more and more. I mean, over, even over the past few months, an author by the name of Kate Washington, she had a personal issue with caregiving um, and she shared it. She published an article in the New York Times and had a chance to talk to her about her caregiving journey. And, and again, there's just more publicity out there about this. New England Journal of Medicine put something out. Joe Biden put out an infrastructure bill that's like $2 trillion and $400 billion of it is towards what they call a care economy and designated towards elderly and those, you know, the care for elderly and those with disabilities and really calls out family caregivers as an underappreciated resource and sort of providing more support to them. So I think the general recognition that this is something that needs to be addressed is something that's really exciting because we actually think about it. You started with the triple aim, right? And it was you know, focused on patients, costs, and outcomes. And then you added on you know, quadruple aim, which was then provider and the experience mm -hmm. that providers were having. We really think about it as the quintuple aim. Like if you really have family members who are responsible for the care of their loved ones in the home and are communicating about the care and the needs that they have that can then be communicated back to providers who often don't have that capability of interacting meaningfully with them while they're in the home. So we think about it as a quintuple aim with, with the caregivers being that fifth part of this sort of uh, focus to improve outcomes, reduce costs, et cetera. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that is definitely the right macro picture. And I'm glad you mentioned that. First time I've heard the quintuple aim and I love it. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, you know, our, our co-founder come up with that as a that term. And I think it really resonated with me in terms of what I'm passionate about. Yeah, you know, and you, you lay the framework that's familiar and you're like, wow, you're right. You know, we've been leaving out the caregiver. We have. And it's yeah, and, and then really, I mean, actually, and backing up to sort of why why we are here, you know, what our mission is, why are we here as an organization, the Family Care, it's because our co-founders, Dr. Eric Rakow and Larry Sosnow, and they built Senior Bridge, which was acquired by Humana to become Humana at Home. They were managing chronically ill populations in the home through phone call and through home-based care and recognized that family caregivers were often burdened with the care of their loved ones. And so wouldn't it be great to have a solution that's more of a technology solution, so digital, not analog? And wouldn't it be great to allow people to interact via video so they could attach a face to the name? And then asynchronous messaging or text messaging or whatever you want to call it, to be able to shoot a message out and get a response you know, within a couple hours. And so that's really why this company came about is because they had successfully managed chronically ill populations in the home, but noticed the gap and built a solution around that gap to address that issue. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. A very experienced founding team, board of directors, and 
with you as a CEO. I think it, the company's got a, a very promising future and you guys are really working on an area that is where the puck is going. And so there's some major growth ahead. I see it. So kudos to you guys. I appreciate you jumping on and, and sharing some of the work that you guys are doing at eFamily Care, Naveen. Before we conclude the chat today, I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought. And then the best way that the listeners could get in touch with you or anyone on your team to explore the possibility of working with you guys. Sure. Yeah. And thank you so much, Saul, for having me on. Really enjoyed the conversation. In terms of closing thought, I think you know, as I mentioned, this is an exciting time within healthcare. There's a lot of innovation that can happen. There's a lot of disruption. I think people are recognizing that. What I would say is just, you know, not forgetting about the human element of technology solutions. And I think there's a lot out there. There's a lot of opportunity within telehealth and digital health and remote patient monitoring, but really focusing on human interaction and the service component and not just technology will allow for better adaption, better engagement, and ultimately better outcomes. In terms of how to get a hold of me, I'm not super active on social media. I don't have a Twitter handle, but LinkedIn, phone or email, I'm happy to share that if that's helpful. My email is N is in Nancy, K-A-T-H-U-R-I-A at efamilycare.com. And anyone could also call me anytime. My phone number is 617-953-8452. I'm certainly passionate about the work we do and, and look forward to chatting with anyone about you know, how we could put potentially help them. That's fantastic, Naveen. And folks, this is the time, right? I mean, if our discussion with Naveen moved something inside of you or you kind of caught yourself saying, yeah, yeah, yes, you know, quintuple aim, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, why would you wait, you know, pause that podcast and call, you know, hit that rewind. You could rewind it by 15 seconds and call them or email them. I think the opportunity is there. So take action on any inspiration you have. That's how things happen. And so really, really grateful for you, Naveen. And I think it's exciting, the work that you guys are up to. So I appreciate you jumping on and looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much, Saul. And likewise.